with about 3,000 people in the town and a couple thousand right outside of it. And it's a place that desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my wife and I, as the video showed, had the privilege of serving the past two and a half years, about an hour and a half south on Highway 200 in the town of Heron, Montana. And while we were there, God began to get a hold of my heart and my life about planting a church in Libby. And I'm so grateful for the fact that God began to do that work. And last summer, specifically, we were in the midst of our camp season at the passage where we were serving. And I was beginning to pray earnestly, Lord, if this is what you would desire for us to do, please show something out of your word. This is your calling in our lives. Um, because I did not want to go out and do something out of my own volition, something in my own strength or my own emotions. I wanted to make sure God was in it. And while I was praying about this and seeking the Lord's face, God gave a specific two verses in my life that I was reading through my devotions one morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17, where the Bible says, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And friend, every single one of us has a region to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may be here in town and you have streets or a couple of neighbors that you have not yet reached with the gospel. That is your region to reach. But once you reach them with the gospel, there's another region to reach. There's another town to be reached with the gospel until we reach all the towns of all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's always another region to go beyond and declaring the truth of God and his word. But I love what it says in verse 17 where it says, But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Friend, we're not going to Libby, Montana to plant another church just to plant another church. Um, if one thing I've learned out here, the state of Montana and much of the Northwest is filled with a lot of religion. There's a lot of people that know about God. There's a lot of people that know about Christ. And we could easily say, hey, we're going to plant another church just to plant one. But we're going for one specific purpose. We're going for the glory of God. Why? Because what we're endeavoring to see done, only God can do. Only God can transform a heart and a life. Only God can take the most vile, wicked person and turn them into something that is holy and righteous. Only Christ can do that. Only Christ can re, uh, bring back a broken home. Only Christ can change a community. Only Christ can do that work. And that's all for his honor and for his glory. And so we began deputation in the middle of this year, uh, sorry, in the middle of January of this year. And the Lord has been so good to us. We're at 30% of our support raised already. And we give God all the glory. And we're so grateful for the opportunity to be here. We ask that you pray for us as we continue to travel. Our goal is to be in Libby by no later of June of next year of 2024. And we're endeavoring to raise our support with the goal of focusing on the ministry of reaching that town with the gospel, getting involved in the community, getting to know the people, spending that time with them, being able to love them with the love of Christ. And so we are currently raising our support for that work. I'd ask, like the video said, you pray for the town of Libby. Pray for the souls that don't know Christ as their Savior. That the Holy Spirit, even now, would begin to work in their hearts and their lives to soften their hearts to the truth of God and His Word. And I also encourage you to pray for the souls that are there that are Christians. We've come into several families up there that are desperately seeking to be a part of a solid gospel preaching church. And it's easy to take for granted the opportunity to come here every week and know that there's going to be the Bible preached, know you're going to have fellowship. But even in this same state, there are literally towns just like Libby where people have to drive hours 
just to go hear the truth of God's word. And so Libya is one of those towns. You pray for the people that are there. Pray that God continue to keep us safe on the road as we travel, um, that we continue to get our support. My prayer specifically is that God would give us the right churches and the right individuals to co-labor with in reaching Libby with the gospel of Christ. And we do have a display table up in the back as you exit the auditorium to your right. And we do have several things there that are free. We have some wristbands, stickers. You're more than welcome to grab those. We do have a sign-up sheet if you'd like to put your email we send out a monthly prayer card, prayer letter, I should say, um, with updates of how we're doing every month. And if you'd like to get that, we'd love for you to sign up and pray for us. But if anything, please grab our prayer card and um, put it somewhere where you can pray, pray for us, because, friend, prayer is the work. When you see the command of Christ, Christ doesn't ask us to do anything else but just simply pray. Because that's what he requires of us. Christ does all the other work. And so please continue to pray for us that God will continue to be glorified in our lives. And we're so thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. I invite you to turn with me in Joshua chapter 1 this morning. Joshua chapter 1. And I'm just simply going to speak to you all about what God's been speaking and working on my heart and life about the past several months since we began deputation. And before I begin that, I also want to say as well, happy Mother Day, Mother's Day to all those that are here as mothers, and we're so grateful for you. And like I said in the Sunday School Hour, thank you for your sacrifice and your love and your unconditional love in raising your children. Um, we're living in a generation today that openly mocks the home, and um, it's almost become a shame thing to be a mother. Um, it's just sad what's happening in our society and for you mothers that are here that are pouring your hearts and your lives into the next generation, thank you so much. Because I would not be here today if it wasn't for a godly mom that loved me and prayed for me. And um, I know what I put her through. And now that my wife's a mom and I see the love and the care and the devotion she puts into raising our son and all these things, I've had a deeper appreciation for mothers in a greater way. And so we thank you for what you've done. And the Lord, you may not see all of the fruit on this side of eternity but I know your labor is not in vain, and thank you so much for what you do for us. In Joshua chapter 1 this morning, if you wouldn't mind, please stand for the reading of God's word if you can. If not, that's okay, but Joshua chapter 1, we'll begin reading verse 1 and go down to verse 6, where we'll find our main thought this morning, where the word of God says this, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From this wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee, all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Fathers, we come before thee this morning. We thank thee for what you've already done today. We thank thee for the freedom that we've been given through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Freedom that no man can take away through his shed blood. Eternal life an abundant life you've given us. We thank you for the freedom we've been given to worship here this morning in a public place without worry of political persecution. And Father, help us as a people never to forget the freedoms we've been given. 
And I pray, Father, that you continue to help us to be bold in declaring the truth of your word to a lost and dying generation. I pray that this morning you'd give me the right words to say, that they would glorify thee, that they would lift thee up, that ultimately others would not see a man, but that they would see Jesus Christ being lifted up to receive all the praise, honor, and glory for which he rightfully deserves, which you rightfully deserve. And Father, I pray for those that are here that you encourage them and strengthen, strengthen them, edify them. And Father, may we not just go away stirred, but may we go away changed. In Christ's name, I ask all these things. Amen. You may be seated. The thought I want to give to us this morning is found in verse 6, 7, and 9 with this phrase that the Word of God pins with the thought of be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. To kind of give us an idea of what is going on at this point in time in the nation of Israel, you find that Moses, the great leader, we, found, we read in verse 1, has gone on to be with the Lord. And to kind of give us an idea of who Moses is, Moses was not just a great man of the Lord, he was a great leader. I was reading somewhere an article where at West Point they believe that Moses is one of the top 50 greatest leaders of all time. You think about how many men and women have been in leadership positions throughout human history and all the options you could pick for your top 50 and they believe that, that Moses was one of the top 50 of all time. Moses was a great leader. But not only was Moses a great leader, he was a great man of God. You read in the Pentateuch and you find that God says that Moses was a friend of God's. You think about great compliments people may give you. Oh, they're hardworking, they're a great husband, or they're a great mother on Mother's Day. They're all these things. But I think the greatest compliment someone can ever give to one person is they are a friend of God's. Moses was a great man. He was a great spiritual man. But as you read through the Old Testament, specifically in the Pentateuch of which Moses was alive, Moses is the one that leads the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. He leads them through the wilderness. And while they're in the wilderness, God tells Moses at one point in time to, to speak to a rock in order for water to flow out to provide water for the nation of Israel. And you read in that passage of scripture, Moses in his anger doesn't speak to the rock, he hits it. And God tells Moses, because of your disobedience, Moses, you will no longer be allowed to lead the nation of Israel into the land of Canaan. You will die with the generation that you're in now. You'll be able to see the land of Canaan up on the mount, but you're not going to be able to enter into it. Because of Moses' disobedience, he did see the, he did see the land of Canaan, but he was not allowed to enter into it. And because of that, God anoints another leader by the man named Joshua. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever been in a work position before where the person ahead of you stepped down, retired or whatever, and they were a great leader. But maybe you have thought about the pressure of filling in the shoes of somebody. But I want you to think about where Joshua is at this moment. Think about the shoes he's about to fill. He's following after a great man. He's not just following out. I think it's easier almost in a sense to follow after a terrible leader because you can only go up from there, amen? But Moses is following after, a, I mean, Joshua is following after a great man and God comes to Joshua and says, be strong and of a good courage. But not only is Joshua following after a leader, think about the people he's leading. We think Americans are divided and high-minded. Read about the nation of Israel. 
The nation of Israel is in captivity for 400 years in Egypt. God sends a man by the name of Moses. They see the ten plagues, which would have been amazing enough to have seen. And by the way, they, they got out of the worst of them. And God frees them out of Egypt. And they get to the Red Sea. The nation of Egypt is right, the land of Egypt. The Egyptians are right behind them, chasing them. They, they get to their first obstacle, and what do they do? Moses, God, you let us out here to die. We're going to die out here. God doesn't just do them. He parts the Red Sea. They walk on dry ground. I don't know if anybody in their right mind that's ever walked on dry ground with the sea around them. Amen. Here they see this amazing miracle. They get out into the wilderness. And what do they do again? They complain again. They go back and forth all these times for 40 years, back and forth. So you not only think about who Joshua is following after as a leader, think about the people he's leading. But also think about the moment in which he's leading them. This is a mo one of the most pivotal moments in the nation of Israel's history. Because when you read in Genesis chapter 12, you find that God promises Abraham, their forefather, the ultimate patriarch of the nation of Israel, he promises them that the land of Canaan is going to be their land. He says, this is what I promised for you. This is what I provided for you. And as they're about to enter into the land of Canaan, God comes to Joshua in one of the most pivotal moments in their history and tells him three times, Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. And friend, today we are living in a pivotal time in our nation's history. We're living in a time today where God is looking for people that are going to be strong and of a good courage. Because I don't know about you, but we're living in a world today where you see the world doesn't have those kind of people anymore. We're living in a generation today of Americans that are so wishy-washy back and forth, they can't even make up their own mind, let them know who they identify with as a human being. And God is looking for his people. God is looking for people here in this church that are going to determine that they're going to be strong and of a good courage. God is looking for fathers to lead their home and be strong and of a good courage. God is looking for mothers and wives to determine to be strong and of good courage. Our high schools are looking for somebody, a young person, to be strong and of good courage. That is what our nation is looking for today. And here this morning, by God's help and by God's grace, I want to focus on this one thought, be strong and of good courage. Because if anybody, if any group of people in this nation should be strong and of good courage, it should not be a political group. It should not be a social group. It shouldn't be an economic group. The strongest and the most courageous people on this earth today should be God's people. Amen. The first thing we find is the definition of what does it mean to be strong. That word strong has the idea of simply this, to fasten upon, to seize, to play the man. When you think of the word strong nowadays, I think it's easy to think of physical strength. I'm not talking about you go find a gym membership or go out in the woods and, you know, start bench pressing whatever you got out there, moose, whatever you got. I'm not talking about being strong in that way. What God is looking for today is somebody that is going to fasten upon and seize the promises of God and his word and obey it and to play their part. What God is looking for in our homes is people that are going to say, I'm going to be strong in the word of God. I'm going to play the role in the part that God has shown me through his word, and I'm going to be strong in it. 
You think about what the nation of Israel is about to enter in with the land of Canaan. God was trying to tell Joshua, seize the truths of my word and act upon it. What we are in desperate need of today is not people that have opinion on the politics, have one side or the other. What we need today is Christians to be strong in the Lord and in his work. In October 16, 1555, there are two men, Latimer and Ridley, who lived in Oxford, England. And to kind of give a picture of the idea of the moment they're living in, they were in the nation of England, the country of England, had what was called a church state. And we're blessed here in America to be able to worship God however we choose, wherever we choose. You can worship any God for that matter in America. But in that time period, in order to truly worship God in their sense, you had to attend the state church. Not only did you have to attend the state church, you had to abide by the state church's beliefs. And if you said, hey, I believe in the one true living God, I believe in the word of God, and I disagree with the state church, you could be tried And if you did not renounce your faith in Christ, you would be deemed a heretic and could ultimately be burned at the stake. And Latimer and Ridley were two men that were Christian men that were tried and convicted of heresy. And because of that, they were going to be burned at the stake for their faith. And as they were being prepared to be burned, it is said that Latimer quoted these words to Ridley, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as shall never be put out. And friend, what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? It means not just to be willing to live for him. It means to be willing to die for him. You know what is lacking in our nation today? Conviction. Conviction for the truth. Conviction to the point we're willing to die for it. What God is trying to tell Joshua and what he's trying to tell us today is be strong in what I've called you to do. Be strong in me. Play your part. Seize the truth of my words and act upon it. Not only does he tell him to be strong, he tells him to be of good courage. That word courage means this, to establish, fortify, to be alert, increase, prevail. Friend, what we need to establish and fortify our lives upon needs to be built upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. What does it mean to be of a good courage? It doesn't mean to go face a thousand people in the middle of a gunfight, although you may have to do that someday. I don't know. But what courage truly means, it means to establish and fortify your life upon something and to live upon it. Because if there's anything today that is going to be attacked in our nation ultimately, it's not going to be because of one side or the other of the aisle politically. What is ultimately going to be attacked very soon is this book. And if we're not building our life upon it, if we're not fortified upon it, we're going to be like what Christ talked about in the New Testament. We're just building our life upon sand. And when the winds and storms come around, you know what's going to happen? We're getting blown away with it all. To be of good courage means I'm going to establish and fortify my life upon God in his word. But not only that, I love what it says. It says also to prevail. And friend, I don't want to get too far ahead of the message, but I want to encourage you this morning. You and I serve a prevailing God. We don't serve a defeated God this morning. The Christian life is not a life of defeat after defeat. No, the Christian life is a life of victory. It's a life of going upward, the upward way, going closer to Christ. What does that mean? It's a prevailing life. And what we need to determine as God's people 
It's not only are we going to be strong in him, we're going to be of good courage in him. And as the nation of Israel prepares, as Joshua prepares to lead them into the land of Canaan, into the promised land, he tells them three ways of which we can be strong and of a good courage. The first one is in living a life of victory. Look at me, if you would, in verse 4 and 6 again, where the Bible says, From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea, to the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Be strong and of good courage, in verse 6, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Friend, why can we be strong and of good courage in our God? Because we serve a victorious God this morning. God comes to Joshua, and they haven't even entered into the land. They haven't even crossed over the Jordan. And God tells Joshua, Joshua, be strong and of good courage because I'm going to give you the victory. And friend, I want to remind you this morning that we serve a victorious God. We serve a God that has overcome sin. We serve a God that has overcome death. We serve a God that holds the keys to hell and the grave. That is our God this morning. It doesn't matter what happens in the White House in 2024. It doesn't matter what happens in our elections because we serve a victorious God. And by the way, I've read the end of the book. You know what the end of the book says? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The most hateful, God-hating person on this earth right now in this moment is one day going to bow before him and acknowledge that he is Lord. If you want to be on the victorious side of life, don't give yourself all the way into all these temporal things. You want to be victorious? Get all in with God. Why? Because he's victorious. We've had the privilege of traveling these past several years throughout the United States visiting people, and it almost seems like many Christians live their life of victory based off of who's in control of the White House and, the, and all the other things. Friend, i got to tell you, it doesn't matter what happens over there in that sense because our God is greater than them. Our God's already victorious. And we need to be reminded this morning that we can live a life of victory, not based upon what's going on around us, but based upon who he is and what he is doing. Friend, you want victory over sin in your life? You're not going to find it in some place that people have to offer. You're not going to find it in your own strength. Victory is found in Jesus Christ over sin. You want to see victory in your home and raising your kids and following the Lord? Be strong and have a good courage and rest assured you serve a victorious God. What God desires out of this church is a victorious church. He doesn't want a defeated church. There's enough around already. What he desires is for God's people here in Whitehall to get all in with him and to see him do great victories. Because i got to tell you, the reason why we're here today is not just to warm a pew, not just to sit around and give our tithe. We're here to advance the work of our Savior. If God was done with the work, we'd be gone. He has kept us here so we can have greater victories in Whitehall. There are still souls to be saved out there. And we need to rest assured, not in of ourselves, not in what we believe, but we need to rest assured in the God of this book that he is victorious. Because I'm telling you today, only God can do what needs to be done in this nation. Only God can do what can be done in this town. Only God can do what can be done in your home and in your personal life. We need to be reminded that we serve a victorious God. Why be strong and of a good courage? Because he is victorious. I love what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. 
For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Friend, you go with God, you're going to get the victory. Amen. I love how it says in Psalm 108, 13, through God we shall do valiantly, for it is he that shall tread down our enemies. God doesn't say, hey, you're going to do so-so with me. You may or may not come out victorious. I don't know. What does Psalm 108 say? It says, through God we shall do valiantly. He doesn't just say strong. He says valiantly. I love that word. It's a good biblical word. We need people to understand that when we have God, we can do valiantly. You read through the Word of God in the Old and New Testament, you see men and women accomplish impossible things through who? Not through themselves, through God. Why? Because it is He that shall tread down our enemies. You want somebody to tread down the enemies of your life? It's not going to be you. It's our God. But we can do valiantly through Him. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, victory... And being strong and of good courage and a life of victory is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Back in the day in the Revolutionary War as well as the Civil War time periods, and they still have them today, they have what was called battalion guidons. And if you've been in the military, you know what I'm talking about. They have company guidons, battalion guidons, brigade guidons, all these guidons. They were flags, and specifically back in those days that were meant to identify where you and your line of offense stood, where your men stood in the heat of battle. Because especially in those days, in the heat and the smoke of the battle, it could become extremely confusing of where everybody was located. In order to best identify where you and your line stood, often the best way to do that was by looking up towards your flag and figuring out where your battalion stood. And if you could figure out where they stood, you knew where you needed to be. And if they were behind you, you're in trouble. Amen. But in those days of battle, oftentimes, especially, the lines would fluctuate because of what would be going on. Sometimes you advance forward. Sometimes you go backwards. Sometimes you stand still. It didn't matter. But, friend, when you think about the spiritual battle we're going in and in the heat and the smoke of what all is going on today, all the chaos, and you're looking for your captain's flag, when you're on Team Jesus' side, I'm going to tell you something. That flag is always advancing. You will never find in serving God and his work, although it may seem like it's going backwards, when you look through the chaos and the smoke of the spiritual battle we're in today, you will find that God's banner is always moving forward. Yes. Why? Because we don't serve a God of defeat. Amen. You want to be on a team that's never lost a battle? You want to be on a team that's never lost a war? Get on Team Jesus' side. Why? Because he's all victorious. God has never once lost a campaign. He is always advancing. And if anybody should be strong and of a good courage, it should be God's people because we should have all, of all people experienced the victory in Christ in our lives. What we don't need is a Christian nation. What we need is a nation full of Christians. And that is by gaining the victory in Jesus Christ. And it's high time we be reminded to be strong and of a good courage and living a life of victory. Secondly, why be strong and of a good courage in following the word of God? You find verse 7 and 8 where the Bible says this, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night 
that thou mayest pros that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Friend, not only be strong and of good courage in living a life of victory, but secondly, be strong and of a good courage in following the word of God. Friend, we're living in a day and age where once America respected, at least honored the word of God, but that's not today. We're living in a generation today that not only doesn't know God, but openly mocks him. Do you realize that the whole homosexual, actually the Bible calls it sodomy movement, and LGBTQ++ movement, all of that is not about different groups of people and your identification. You know what it's ultimately about? It's ultimately about attacking God and his word. Because in the beginning, God created he, male and female. It doesn't matter what you and I think. It's what this book says. And what is the problem is, is we're living in a generation today where it's becoming not just unpopular, but there is going to come a day, if things don't turn around, where we're going to pay the price for standing on this book. They're already mocking it. I don't know when the last time I've seen a modern TV show that didn't mock the family home structure. They make the dad look like an idiot. They make the kids rebellious and they glorify it. They do all these things. Why? Because what they're ultimately attacking is God and his word. And in living in this generation today, we have to determine to be strong and have good courage to live upon this book. Because not only is it going to become open mockery, soon it's going to not just be open mockery, but it's going to be unpopular and there may be a price to pay for following God and his word. And we need to determine right here and right now, I'm going to be strong and of a good courage in following the word of God. As the nation of Israel prepares to enter the land of Canaan, God tells Joshua, look, what we're about to do, all these things, you're going to have to follow me if you want to see the victory. And that means following me and my word. And friend, no matter how unpopular it may be, no matter what it may cost us, we need to determine right here and right now, I'm following God's word and his word all the way. What does it mean to be strong and of good courage and following the word of God? Number one, you find in verse, eight, it's, uh, verse seven, I'm sorry, it says this, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it, to the right hand or to the left. Number one, don't live a life of compromise. Don't live a life of compromise. We're living in a world today full of compromise. But what God is telling Joshua as they prepare to enter in the land of Canaan, Joshua, you can't turn to the right or to the left in my word. You have to follow it all the way. How many Christian homes have been ruined because of compromise? Do you realize that for the first time in American history, Christians have a higher divorce rate than the unchurched people in our country. 51% of quote-unquote Christian people are divorced versus 49 of the unchurched. And I'll tell you where that begins, compromise. Somebody at some point in time decided God's word just wasn't enough, and they decided to go off of what they believed and what they felt, and it led down a slippery slope that they didn't anticipate. How many young people should be in church this morning, but because of following and leaning to the left or the right, they're not in church anymore? How many churches that once preached the truth of God's word, were seeing souls saved, don't even exist because they turn to the left or to the right? Friend, in following God and his word, we have to determine, I'm following God and his word all the way. Because I'll testify as a Christian for at least a couple of years now at this point in my life, 
It's a temptation to say, God, I'll follow your word 90%, but the other 10%, I got it all figured out. Friend, when you read the book of Joshua, defeat and victory hinged off of compromise. You see, the first people that they battle is the people of Jericho. They go around the walls. God tells them, you're going to march around the walls seven days once, and then once you hit the seventh day, seven times. Now, having been in the military, if you told me that's what we're going to do, I said, you're high as a kite. I ain't doing that, amen? But that's what God told them to do, and they acted upon it. And what happened? They see the walls of Jericho fall down, great victory against an opposition that had no business fighting, and they see great victory. But one man turns to the left and to the right. God tells them in the state of victory, you can't take any of the garments, you can't take any of the gold or the silver, it's all mine, which was rightfully his anyways, amen? But one man says, I'm going to take some Babylonian garments. I'm going to take some gold, and I'm going to take some silver, and I'm going to hide it underneath my tent. You find the next battle they're in, number one, Joshua makes the mistake, he doesn't go to God. He thinks they've already got it. He doesn't consult God and say, God, are we good to do this? Instead, they go in with a third of their army, they go fight a group that is much less, they're weaker than the Jericho people, and guess what happens? They get wiped out. Because one man, one man turned to the left and to the right. Why? Because they decided not to observe the word of God all the way. And friend, to be strong and of a good courage, we have to determine, I'm not just going to take God at his word 95 or 99.9, I'm going all the way with him. Can I say this? Your home depends on that. Do you realize, fathers, that potentially the way your children turn out could be depending on if you turn to the left or the right? Do you realize that the reason our schools could be changed or the way they are today is because some people, at some point in time, we turn to the left or the right. This church's success for what God wants to do in this community could hinge off of one person determining to turn to the left or to the right. We have to determine, I'm following God all the way with his word. But secondly, you find in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. What does that mean? Not only should we observe it, but we should not be ashamed to speak about it. Do you realize that the First Amendment and all the reason why we have free speech hinged off an independent Baptist preacher? He was the one that brought in the idea of free speech, of the idea we cannot be persecuted for talking about God and his word publicly. Yet the people that have abused this privilege the most in this country, I believe, are the Christians. We have all these other groups that are all talking and using their free speech, yet we spend so little time talking about God and his word. Let me ask you this personally. When is the last time you talked to somebody, your wife, a spouse, a friend, co-worker, anybody, when is the last time you talked to somebody about what God's been doing in your life? When is the last time you said, hey, can I tell you what God's been showing me in my devotions? Because you know what, friend, what we love, we'll talk about. It doesn't take long for you to talk to me and know that I like Michigan football, and it's been a good two years, amen, probably and soon. Yep, thank you, Pastor. But anyways, well, forgive me, he's a Hoosier. But anyway, so it doesn't take long. Why? Because that's what I love. I love to watch them. It's something I love to talk about. I could spend five minutes with all of you individually and probably come to the conclusion what you love. Why? Because what you love, you'll talk about. What we love, we talk about. Yet we claim that we love Christ in this book. We claim of all people on this earth that we know Christ, we love him, we want a relationship with him, yet how little to no time we spend talking about him. 
Christ does, God doesn't tell Joshua, just don't talk about it for five minutes. He says, this book of law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Think about that. He says, this book should always be spoken. This book should always be what you talk about. And you know, the reason why we don't talk about this book and the God of this book is because we don't spend enough time in it. How often do we spend our day, we'll spend hours watching the news, and we can talk about it freely, but we'll spend 10 minutes in this book, then we wonder why there's no spiritual things going on in our homes. To be strong and of a good courage means we're not ashamed to talk about this book. It means, you know why we shouldn't be ashamed? Number one, it's the word of God, and it's God's word that speaks. But number two, it's the truth. You want truth? Get in the word of God. And what God is telling Joshua and God is trying to implore us is, don't, if you love me, if you want to follow me, you should not be ashamed to speak about me. Right. Yet how often we'll speak about all these other things. We'll speak about our problems. We'll speak about the problems of our nation. We'll speak about our taxes and how high everything else is going on. We'll speak about all these other things, but we spend little to no time talking about God and his word. How often we'll hear the word of God preached behind this pulpit, the word of God, and as soon as we walk out those doors, we'll talk about everything but what we just heard. Then we wonder why are the nation that we're living in is in such spiritual darkness. God says this, to be strong and of good courage, not only should we not live a life of compromise, but number two, we should not be ashamed to speak about him. I love what it says in verse 8 as well. But thou shalt also meditate therein day and night. What we think about, we'll speak about. We'll think about all sorts of things. And I used to think, man, we're living in a day and age where meditation's not a thing anymore. But you know what? I'm wrong. We'll meditate on what we want to meditate upon. Sure. There's no doubt the group this size that there's possibly somebody this year that watched the news this morning and all you've been meditating upon is what you just saw. You'll think about it. I remember when Lindsay and I first started dating. You know what I thought about all the time? Her. What's she doing? Where's she at? What does she think about me? <laughs> you know, you think about why? Because that's somebody I love and I care about. Yet we have a Savior who came, humbled himself and became a man without ceasing to be God, died on the cross for our sins, rose again three days later, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, giving us eternal life and a victorious life. And we claim to love him, but we can't spend five minutes thinking about him. See, friend, to be strong and of a good courage doesn't just mean be unashamed about speaking about him. We should be thinking about him. And the reason we don't think about him enough is because we're not in the word enough to think about him. Because what we give our time and our thoughts to reflects in our actions and our speech. I love what it says in Psalm 1-2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. Day and night. You know why we call it devotions and not duty? Because it should be done out of love and delight. The psalmist says, I delight to think about God and his word. He goes on and says in Psalm 104, 34, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Friend, when's the last time you thought about God and it was sweet? I'll make a confession. Oftentimes, if I'm not careful, I can come before God and think, Give me. I have all these prayer requests, God. I have all these things i got to get done, and you're on my list today. And so we're going to get through this, and I'm going to tell you what I need done. You're going to answer it in your time. That's not what a relationship is like. 
If we had a human relationship like that, you'd think, man, that's some stuck-up, abusive person. We will work on that with, with one another, but how often do we not do it with God? Let me ask you this. When is the last time you thought about the Lord? When is the last time you came before him and just simply said, Lord, I love you, and thank you for what you've done for me? The psalmist said, my meditation of him shall be sweet. And by the way, when you read the life of David, he had a lot of other things he could have thought about. But he ultimately focused on the Lord, and it was sweet. Philippians 4.8 says this, When we think about God and his word, this is what we think about. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Friend, you want to know in the world where you're going to find that? You're not going to find it in the news. You're not going to find it on social media. You're not going to find it on your TV. The place that I have found where those things are happened and mentioned consistently all the time is this book. You want to start thinking on things that are true? You're not going to find it in the news, amen? We don't even know what the, what's actually true anymore. But this word is true. It never changes. You want to think about things that are honest and just? Get in the word of God. You want to find things that are pure? You're not going to find it on your TV. Turn that thing off. You're going to find it in the Word of God. You want to get a good report? Read the Word of God and think about it. Friend, what we need is people, God's people, to get back. What we need is a revolution, not of change of our American system, but what we need is God's people to get a revolution back to Him and His Word and thinking about Him and His Word. That requires us to be strong, and of a good courage. But lastly, in following the word of God, in the end of verse 8, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Lastly, in being strong and of good courage in observing the word of God, what does that mean? It means to live a life of total obedience. Life of total obedience. I think it was Mary Schlesser that said this, here in this verse, once I find it, sorry. Failure, yes, the secret of all failure is disobedience. The secret of all failure is disobedience. You know what we need today is not for God's people to say, I've heard this often, my dad even said this when he was preaching, he said, through the years of being a pastor, oftentimes people have come to me and said, Pastor, pray for me, I need more faith. He said, when you read the word of God, you find we've all been given equal access of faith because we serve the same God. He doesn't diminish faith from one or from another. But he said, what is lacking is complete obedience to God and his word. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. I heard this other quote as well. It says this, expectation without effort is entitlement. And before we start nailing down the people we think are entitled, how many times do us as Christians live such entitled lives? You come down to the end of verse 8, I dare say all of us here this morning want to have a life of prospering and success. There's not one person here that wants to end their life and say, man, I was a failure. Not a single one of us does that. But I want to tell you, the prospering success that God is talking about 
hinges on obedience to him and his word. You go up to verse 3 and something I found recently. Every place that the sole of your tread upon, foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. That word tread has the idea of back in that day, they would have what is called wine presses. And they would bring grapes into these wine presses and the people would take off their shoes and get in the wine press and start treading. What was Christ telling Joshua? Joshua, the victory is yours, but you're going to have to obey me and my word and act upon it to have total victory. Because let me tell you something, friend. God will meet you. God will do his part, but he's not going to do yours. If we want to be prosperous and successful, we have to start treading and get obedient and following the word of God. And that requires being strong and of a good courage. We see lastly in verse 9, we'll conclude. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Lastly, why be strong and of a good courage? Because God is always with you. If there's one thing I want to encourage you with this morning, friend, is this. That you and I serve a God that is always with us. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. You may be going through some sickness. You may be going through some family problems or financial problems. Maybe there's things going on in your work. Maybe there's just internal struggles that nobody else knows about, and you're struggling to go through these things. And you're thinking, I'm all by myself. I want to remind you, be strong and of a good courage because God is always with you. The most bold people on this earth should not be the LGBTQ, should not be the Republicans, it should not be the Democrats. The most bold people on this earth in this very moment should be the Christians. Why? Because we serve a God that always goes with us. Do you realize there are groups, religious groups in this world that serve a dead God that doesn't even exist, and if he did exist, he's buried somewhere and his bones are rotting, and they'll give their lives to him, yet we have Christians that cower down and do nothing for God, yet we serve the risen Savior. And you know why? Because we think we're all alone. But I got news for you. Our God goes with us. And if anybody should be bold in this nation, it should be us. Why go to Libby, Montana, a town of 3,000 people in the middle of nowhere? Because God's going with us. Why come here into Whitehall, Montana, and be a witness to your neighbor that's rejected God time and time again? Because God goes with you. Why be the father and the mother that raises your children, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, even when they question it? Because God goes with you. Why be that bold witness for God? Because we serve a God that goes with us. And the ultimate reminder that God gives Joshua is be strong and of a good courage, Joshua, because I'm going with you. And friend, we need to be reminded when we get in the boat with Jesus, he goes with us. It doesn't matter how big the storm gets. It doesn't matter what happens to the boat. It doesn't matter what happens in life. As long as God's in the boat, friend, let me tell you something. That boat ain't never sinking, amen, because God goes with us. Deuteronomy 31, 6, and I'll conclude, says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. Friend, we don't need to be afraid of the enemy. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I love how it says, For the Lord thy God is he that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee. Friend, everybody else in this world may fail you, but God never fails you. When you look around and you think you're by yourself, I want to tell you, Christ never fails you. I love what it says also, nor forsake thee. Everyone else may forsake you, but God never forsakes you. 
I think of the story of Job in the Old Testament. Job in one day loses everything. His friends betray him. His wife comes to the conclusion, curse God and die. But you know what? God never failed him. And God never forsook him. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what struggles you're going through or what heartaches or what's going on in your life at this moment. But I want to encourage you, your God won't leave you. Be strong and of good courage. Friend, what we need is for God's people to determine I'm going to be strong and of good courage. And friend, that's just not a one-moment decision. That's a daily decision. That's tomorrow morning when you get up and your boss tells you to do something. Be strong and of good courage. That's Friday night when you could be doing other things with your family, but you're sitting down doing family devotions with them. Be strong and of good courage. When you find out you have some disease and it doesn't look good, be strong and of good courage. When you're the witness to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and they openly mock you, be strong and of good courage. Why? Because we serve a victorious, prevailing God that will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, as we come to the conclusion of this time, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us and the great reminder that you gave us through Joshua. And Lord, how oftentimes, I know I'm guilty of this, I am not strong and of good courage like I should. And oh God, help us today. Help us as your people today to determine we'll be strong and of good courage. Lord, our world, our town, our homes are looking for somebody to be strong and of good courage. And may we determine we're going to do that. May we not just try to, to pass it on to somebody else, but may we allow you to work in our hearts and our lives. May we determine we're going to be strong. We're going to be of a good courage in our lives, no matter what the cost. May we be willing to live for you as well as die for you. Because you're truth and you're victorious. And you will never leave us. Lord, we thank you for all you've done. In Christ's name I ask. Amen. Pastor.